Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much. Called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year. And each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. Elizabeth McCracken is the author of The Hero of This Book, a novel. She's the author of three books of short stories, one memoir, and four novels, including this, her most recent, The Hero of This Book. She lives in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Hero of This Book. Delighted to be here very, very meta title here, the hero of the book. And then (laughs) tell listeners about what this book is about, how you came up with this, especially now. And like, why, why this book? So it's a novel. It says it's a novel right on the cover. (laughs) That's legally binding. (laughs) It's about, uh, the narrator of the book is walking around London and remembering her mother who died a year before and also remembering trips that she went on, uh, she went to London with her mother 
that sentence doesn't scan, but I'm not going to go back and try to <laughs> straighten it out. You guys know what I mean. And her mother lived into her early 80s, walked with canes, walked with increasing difficulty the older she got. And she's just sort of thinking about their relationship and her mother's life as she walks. And why did I write the book? Yeah. Why did you write the book? Well, you see, I was once in London walking around thinking about my mother and the trips I'd taken with her. And my mother was a woman who walked with canes and with increasing difficulty as she got older. So the book is, the way I think about it now is that it's a novel about writing a memoir. It's definitely a novel. There are made-up characters in it, and and I wrote it as a novel. I didn't write it and try to decide whether it was a novel or a memoir. But the mother is undoubtedly my mother. Her name is eventually in the book, and there's just nobody who could be mistaken for my mother. So Was the estate sale part, did that happen? That did happen. I would say most of the events in the past happened. A bunch of the stuff that happens in the walking around London did not. So when were you writing this? Were you writing this in the pandemic, reflecting? Or when did you did you write it beforehand? Or at what point in the rest of life did you work on it? So I started, it takes place in 2019, and I started writing it in 2019, which is good because I could actually walk around London, which soon yeah. became impossible. Right. And I wrote a big chunk of it and then discovered, not discovered, was reminded by my wonderful publisher that I had promised to submit a collection of short stories for a deadline. And I guess I hadn't taken it seriously. Or <laughs> um, <laughs> They said, no, seriously, we would like to publish the book that you said you'd like to have us publish. So here's your deadline. So I had to put it aside and write a few short stories. And then, honestly, just about as I was about to pick it up, it was in about March of 2020. And then I, like a lot of people I know, I didn't get anything written for a few months. But then August rolled around and I had to leave for my job as a teacher. And one, I knew that I would hate myself if I didn't get actual major writing done while I was off. And also my husband, Edward Carey, and I, he's also a writer and also an illustrator. I'm not an illustrator. That was confusing. <laughs> he is also, he is a writer as well as being an illustrator. We rented a little, because we live in a small bungalow in Texas, although with some very large furniture, we rented a little house in somebody's backyard and split it so that he, because he was teaching and our kids were on Zoom school and so we split the day and he would go and teach and I would go and write. And that's when I mostly finished it. I worked on it through 2021 because I had some a few harebrained ideas that didn't pan out for the book. Interesting. How old are your kids? They're 15 and about to be 14 now. So they were 12 and 11 when the pandemic started. I have 15-year-old twins. So oh, you do? Wow. I do. Yeah. And some little kids. But yeah, I was going through that same, <laughs> same <laughs> moments. Can we backtrack for a minute and talk about how you got started as a writer and a teacher and all the great things that you do? Sure. I was one of those kids who always wrote and had very few other skills. <laughs> I mean, quite seriously. I'm very good at sitting down and always have been and sitting in <laughs> place. And I wrote through high school and college and sort of didn't know 
what I really wanted to write, whether I wanted to be, I thought it might be a poet. I tried my hand at playwriting, though I was a very poor playwright. And then I started to think I'd apply for graduate school in creative writing and did it in a, both poetry and fiction and got in in fiction and sort of never never looked back and had very luckily met my agent, Henry Dunow, when I was in graduate school um, and then had sold a book of stories. And another great stroke of luck is that I got a fellowship at the Fine Arts Work Center in Provincetown, which is seven months. And all you're supposed to do is write. And one of the other fellows there was Ann Patchett, who came in and has, you know, the greatest work ethic of any writer I know. And I I've said I've said this before. I do think that I understood that I couldn't be friends with Anne if I wasted the seven months of <laughs> our fellowship, that I really had to I had to work. And her friendship was so important to me. I just I loved her instantly. And that I actually do think of that in terms of getting work done was just a huge, a huge lucky break for me. So basically put a friendship on the line and that yes. is how you can get anything done. Well, I I tell my graduate students that my biggest tip is to make friends with the hardest working writers you know, huh. because they will they will spur you on. I love that. So what was the first big success that you had and that you were like, oh, maybe this can be my career? You know, it's funny. I think any writer's career you think continually, maybe this is really going to be it. And then you think it's all over. <laughs> so... I have those thoughts regularly. I did. <laughs> I, I sold my first collection of short stories uh, my last week of graduate school. And that was wow. very exciting. That is exciting. So when you sit down to write, tell me about what that looks like for you. Uh, non-pandemic writing that, or, or whatever. But do you know where your characters are going? Do you like follow them along and they lead you places? Or are you like, this is what I'm doing. Get into line. It's changed over the years, and at this point, weirdly, if I'm writing a short story, I know what's going to happen. I sit down, I think about it for a long time, maybe even without taking notes, and I sit down and I write a draft of the short story. With novels, I have no idea. I just, which seems counterintuitive to me. Surely you should have a plan for the larger <laughs> thing. But I think part of it is that one of the things I like about novels is the ability to go astray and to digress. And I worry that if I think about it too much, or I just can't see that far ahead. Mm-hmm. So I often have no idea where a novel is going to go until I start it. With th- this book, I knew a little bit more just because it is, it's the only really autobiographical piece of fiction I've ever written. So I did know. And what was your relationship like? with your mom. And do you feel like writing this has changed anything that you've seen about the two of you in your mind? It it, ha- it has a little, which sort of surprised me. I had a lovely relationship with my mother and, you know, we occasionally drove each other nuts as, you know, as part of, part of the familial contract, but she was quite a remarkable person. It's funny because when I started writing the book, I did it with a lot of trepidation because my mother was a very, very private person. And she also had strong opinions about everything, including herself. And she hated memoirs about parents. And I really thought, oh, this is, she wouldn't, she wouldn't like this. She wouldn't like me writing about her. And once I finished, I thought, actually, I think she would really, really like it. She, she loved, and I mean this in the best possible way. She loved being the center of attention. She was that rare person who really liked to be the center of attention 
for only good reasons. You know, she she liked to host parties. She liked to give speeches. She never did anything, you know, never threw a fit, never lost her temper. And I think there are things in it she probably would go, oh, really? You put that in? But I didn't put in anything that I knew, nothing distressing. I don't know if that's the right word. Nothing that would have distressed her, I don't think. Um, And my, my conclusion is, yeah, actually, she would have loved me to write a book about her. I think. What was, (laughs) we hope, what was one of the things where she would be like, oh, really, you put that in? I think sort of the two things is, talks a lot about her house being very messy. Uh And she wouldn't like that, even though I, you know, I don't think it was such a huge secret. And I also wrote a little bit about her. She had a serious illness many years, but not many years, maybe six years before she died and then had um, an illness at the end. And I did write about her being in the hospital and being not herself. And that I think she would not have loved. Mm. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. But that's sort of what the people who have to cope with it have to wrestle with, right? It's more like your relationship to it than her going through it. It was one of the things that I decided. There's a line later in the in the book that says, surely every person, isn't my story too, surely every one person is allowed to have their own story. And I, that was a moment where I did think, well, this is, I'm allowed to write about my own life. And that was part of my my life. Especially since you were contractually obligated to make it a novel. Exactly. <laughs> Whenever you want it. <laughs> what are you working on now? Not much. <laughs> Put it that way. I'm teaching and I'm reading a lot of student work, which is very exciting. And so at the moment, I'm sort of working on short stories. I actually have a whole draft of this another small novel. And I said I didn't want to waste my leave during my one semester leave during the uh, pandemic. I wrote two little novels. And the other one is, it's quite flawed. I mean, anything I write is flawed. Anything anybody writes is flawed. But this one is like really flawed. And I haven't looked at it again. And I need to look at it because I think it could be, I don't think it's found its form, but I think it, it could be part of something bigger. And what, what makes a little novel versus a regular novel? Less than 50,000 words. Okay. What do you think? Do you have a word count that you have in mind? I feel like... 
I had this one flight where I, all I did was write for 11 straight hours and I can't remember how many words, but it was something like 40,000, whatever it was, it was, I had to Google when I landed and it was a novella. So I know that novella has a particular length. Wait, Um, you wrote 40,000 words on an airplane? I know, aren't I crazy? I know. That's amazing. Yeah. They weren't good. I I should really pull that out again. So I'm not misrepresenting. I mean, yeah, whatever it was, it was the the length of a novella. What's that? How long a flight was it? 11 hours. Wow. I just didn't stop. I know my wrists were hurting. It's amazing. Sometimes. I mean, yeah, but I, (laughs) I don't even know where that is. Yeah. doesn't make it good, but I, I wanted to try something. So, but anyway, point is, Novella has a specific length. I could Google it now. So you probably wrote it <laughs> longer than a novella, less than a novel or something like that. Amazing. So when you're reading for fun, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming you must do at some point, mm-hmm. what are some of your go-to books or what have you read lately that you love? I have just started walking around listening to David Copperfield. Oh, okay. It's a book I read ages ago and I, I love it. And it's got my Betsy Trotwood in it, which is my favorite Dickens character of all. And it's been just really, really pleasurable. And I've just started reading Ada Calhoun's Also a Poet, which mm-hmm. I am loving. I'm looking to my left because I just bought some books. And I I have this, which I'm really looking forward to, Year of the Tiger by Alice Wong. I just got Danny Shapiro's um, Home Fires, which... Signal looks, Fires. Signal but, yeah, fires. sorry. Thank you. It's not... That's okay. She's got another book with fires in the title, and I think I yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I'm very excited about that too. Amazing. What advice would you have for aspiring authors aside from find a hardworking friend? Find a hardworking friend is is important. I also, you know, I think casting aside all of the things that you think that good writing is, all of the pieces of advice. People give such bad advice about writing, except for me. I give good <laughs> advice. <laughs> I know I give, I give bad advice too. But I, I feel pretty firmly that there are no rules for writing, um, that each individual piece has its own rules. And when stories don't work, it's because they're, and, and novels too, it's because they're, they're breaking rules that they've set up. And that those voices... Sometimes in writing classes, they tell you, well, what will the reader think of this? And the problem is, is that if you ever make up a reader in your head, a specific reader, that guy is such a jerk. That guy is leaning (laughs) over your head going, well, in 1861, nobody would be wearing a dress like that on the streets of Baltimore or (laughs) you really know what you're talking about or shouldn't there be like rising action and uh, climax and denouement right about now? And I think the the work that means something to me when I'm writing it and then also when I'm reading it is the work that sort of gets lost in itself that it, that it, and and that sort of respects itself and its own rules that creates worlds and and the characters who cannot be made up in steps. Mm. So my advice is to is to really think about the things that are important to you and thrill you when you write. And to read, you know, and all the the old saw, which is true, and to just read good writing, mm-hmm. it does something to the brain. I think. Yes, never stop learning. <laughs> How would your students describe you? <laughs> How would they? God, it's a horrible thought. 
I think they would talk about how I'm always telling them to think about their, to remember that their characters have bodies. Um, I know that that's true, that they, they tell me that. I don't know. It's a distinct, it's a strange thing to think about yourself as seen by other people. Makes my tummy ache. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry. They call me short that I know that for certain. How tall are you? Five foot tall. Okay. I'm five two. My ball and chain is five four, and we sometimes discuss the league of little riders. So you're (laughs) welcome to join at five two. You're I I would love to little riders. Thank you so much. I appreciate that (laughs) very much. I know my kids at school are like, you know, mom, like we're in the towards the bottom end of like all, and I'm like, I I'll give you lots of things, but I cannot give you height. You know, it's just not the cards. And they're like, well, look at her. And I'm like, look at her mom, you know, impossible. My 15 year old may be tall. I mean, he's by far the tallest person in the house right now. Yeah. My 15 year old's like five, seven. I feel like yeah. that's pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what happens. And how do you navigate being married to another writer and illustrator? You know, it has seemed remarkably easy to me, but I think that that's um, the person in question and maybe me too. Um, We are, it feels quite agreeable. We have similar schedules. And when one or the other of us has a project that we need to put more time on, the other person will pick up more household stuff. I certainly, I mean, I know, and we all know, terrible stories about partnered writers, but it seems, yeah, so far no no major bumps. And you share each other's work? Like, is he one of your early readers? Or do you? Yeah, he is. He is. And every now and like, I once accidentally named a dog the same name as a dog in his fiction. And I was very embarrassed. That's like the worst <laughs> that I've got. And he had to gently say, he stole it wasn't a major, it wasn't a central column of the story I was writing. That I had named a dog Puce, which is French for flay, but he'd already done it. And it's something that I had read. Uh, well, you know, of all the things, it's not the yeah. worst. It's okay. <laughs> what else should people know about this book that we haven't talked about? Is there anything else? There's actually a lot of writing advice in it. Quite a bit of writing advice in it. And I, I had always sworn as a novelist that I would never write a novel about a writer. And I... If you told me I'd write a novel with a nameless narrator, I would have said, oh, I will never, ever do it. But when I was first writing the book to sort of fool myself into writing it, I think originally I was going to have a lot of endnotes or maybe I was going to have marginalia. I knew I didn't want footnotes that were sort of pieces of writing advice, sort of a, a craft book, even though I hate the word craft for writing for some reason, a craft book embedded in the book. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get it to work no matter how I tried. I couldn't get it so that it felt like an organic part of the book that would give people pleasure to read and wouldn't interfere with the novel itself. Um, so once I, I wrote a lot and then once I realized it wasn't going to work, I pulled about 10% of that out and put it into, into this book. So oh. now the narrator is a writer and talk, and doesn't talk about like a career about of writing, but gives what I think is again just extraordinarily correct advice <laughs> on writing fiction. Very accurate and right, right advice. Amazing, I love it. When you are not writing, what do you like to do? When you're not writing, teaching, doing all the things you have to do, what do you like to do? 
I love traveling. Here in Austin, we have a, I tweet about this a lot because I do also love Twitter. We'll see if I continue to love Twitter <laughs> in, in the coming weeks and months. But uh, there's a giant spring-fed swing pool at the center of the city that is open year-round called Barton Springs. And I wake up a little bit before five most days and go off and swim in the dark. And it is one of my greatest pleasures. That's very poetic. And I just sort of, I swim very, very slowly and bumble along. But I also, I like museums and theater and, you know, the usual, the usual things. Usual cultured woman I like funiculars, <laughs> but I can't say that I... I go to a, on, up a funicular every time I can. There's a funicular in my book, which makes me happy. Excellent. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, thank you for chatting with me today about the hero of this book, who obviously is you. <laughs> no, my mother. My mother would disagree. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You'll have a dual, dueling <laughs> protagonist or something. Anyway, uh, lovely chatting with you. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much, Sibby. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 